Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, President of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, it's great to be with you. Got a special guest today in the second part of the program, Coach Dale Brown, coach of the LSU Tigers, former coach at LSU, Shaquille O'Neal's mentor and coach. He'll be with us the second half of our program today. This is Israel and You. We're under the banner of Israel Team. It's an organization that's gathered a team of leaders from the world of sports, business, theology, law, academics, and Israel advocacy to fulfill two important objectives, to help Christians embrace their divine connection to Israel and their role as Christians in Israel's end-time restoration by gaining a rich understanding of the Hebraic roots of their faith. And then the second part of our objective is we work on evangelical college campuses where there's this sharp decline of support for the Jewish people in Israel and also on secular college campuses where there is a, a huge rise of anti-Semitism against the Jewish people. So this is our double-sword objective to, to help you understand your roots and to stand in solidarity with our Jewish uh, friends against anti-Semitism. So today on Israel and You, we're going to dis- continue our discussion on the Jewish concept of verbal blessing. And then the second part, we're going to interview our good, good friend, Coach Dale Brown. So we're looking at Genesis 48, uh, verse 8 through 20, where Jacob blesses uh, his two grandsons. And he does a very interesting thing. He crosses his hands and he puts his right hand on the younger Ephraim and his left hand on the elder Manasseh. And Joseph said, Dad, you've got this wrong. Uh, He tried to straighten his dad's hand up because the right hand always went over the eldest son. And Jacob said, no, I I understand what I'm doing. Uh, This is God's will that that Ephraim will be before Manasseh. And we see this in, in Galatians 3. 3, verse 13 through 14, where what, what Jacob did that day was really a prophetic picture of the cross. And when you think of the cross, think of God crossing his hands. And when I think of the cross, I think of, you know, my two arms crossing each other. Uh, God crossed his hands and he put the right hand of blessing on your head and he put the left hand of blessing on Jesus' head because it says in Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung in a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles who believe. So you received uh, the blessing of the Father, and Jesus took the curse. He was the elder brother. He really, the right hand of blessing should have been upon him. But we see this foreshadowing in the Old Testament. Jacob the younger uh, is set over uh, Esau, the elder brother, and Ephraim the younger is set over Manasseh, the elder brother. And we receive the right hand of the Father's blessing, the double portion blessing. So Jesus received the curse of our sin. So at the cross, you can see this, that God crossed his hands. And this should remove any future doubt 
from your heart, from your soul, of the Father's love for you. Do you know that God loves you the same as he loves his only begotten son? You see, I, I find that hard to believe. Jesus is the elder. He's the only begotten of the Father. He's the, the firstborn from amongst the dead. He, he, God loves him more than, than anyone else. No, Jesus said in John seventeen twenty three, I and them and you and me, he's praying to his Father, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent them, and here it is, and have loved them as you have loved me. So God loves you the same as he loves his own son. Matthew 28, 20 verse 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Our elder brother came to serve his younger siblings, uh, and he gave to us through the Father the birthright blessing. Isaiah 53, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. A wound is a puncture, cut, or laceration on the outside skin of the body. It's visible. A transgression is uh, external acts of sin. A, 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 a bru- he was bruised for our iniquities. A bruise is caused by a traumatic impact of some kind and causes internal bleeding. It's those undetected areas on the inside of our souls that cause us to lose our way. And sometimes we can't gain control of issues in our lives. And often these bruises are caused by verbal curses pronounced upon us, those blunt force traumas. And Jesus was wounded for our wounds. He was bruised for our bruises. Uh, I, I always say that hurt people hurt people. So when a person is, is hurt, when a person is cursed, oftentimes they will spend their adult life cursing others. And we can break this this issue we've been talking about this month on Israel and you of transgenerational verbal abuse. And if you'd like to receive this, this wonderful teaching that we have, you can go to our website, israelteam.org. It's an educational website, lots of different issues that you can study about Israel and the Jewish people and Jewish history and anti-Semitism. But for this month, we're offering a gift of, of any size that you can download this curriculum. Just go to the website, israelteam.org, and go to the donate button. And for a gift of any size, it'll give you a code that you can download uh, this four-part teaching on the ancient Jewish concept of blessing. And then if uh, you're not computer literate, like I'm not computer literate, you can leave your address and we'll, we'll mail it to your house. And I believe this, that a lot of our internal emotional bruises are caused by verbal curses spoken over us. You, you've heard the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Do you know that's not true? Because words do hurt. They, they go down into the interposed part of our souls and they, they cause heartache. There's an old Yiddish saying, a patch far gate, a vort bestate, which means a slap will pass, but a word remains. A patch far gate, a vort bestate, a slap will pass, but a word remains. James 3.6 says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is itself set on fire by hell. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, and the tongue of the wise promotes health. The injuries from words, they pierce like a sword. And we've been talking about transgenerational verbal abuse. What is that? That's one generation cursing the next generation. And we saw this month that unless I can forgive my abusers, I can't break the chain. The first part of breaking the chain of transgenerational verbal abuse is being able to forgive those that have cursed you. A tongue filled with iniquity that's cursing the next generation, that curse can be broken and is broken through forgiving that abuser. Uh, Another area of healing from inner bruises, it's this father heart void that we have in our lives, oftentimes because a caregiver, probably possibly a father or a mother that spoke curses over our lives. We're either going to live under a banner of shame or a banner of self-sufficiency, and it causes a father heart void. My own life story, uh, when I was four years old, my dad uh, held me in his arms. He was a builder, and he had just built this beautiful home for us. We lived in the Monterey Bay Peninsula out in California. He'd built this beautiful home. And I remember sitting in that rocking chair and I saw a white mantle in a fire fireplace and red bricks surrounding uh, the fireplace. And I remember feeling so secure in my father's arms. Well, a few weeks later, he uh, was on his way to church. He was the Sunday school superintendent and he was on his way to church. It was the night before Christmas Eve to bring candy over to the church. Uh, that Sunday was was uh, Christmas. And uh, my dad on the way to church, a drunk driver traveling at 80 miles an hour, uh, plowed in the back of my father's car. And my dad was instantaneously killed. So I grew up without a father. And I grew up with a lot of shame in my life as a result of that. And there was doubt and unbelief in my heart. I really doubted that God really loved me. And besides all that, losing my dad, my mom had been raised by uh, a mother that was very verbally abusive to her. And so my mother just continued the transgenerational verbal abuse and um, spoke words of curses over me all through my my childhood and uh, brought lots of shame into my soul. So I, I grew up with this Um, sense of wanting to try to cover myself and a sense of self-sufficiency. And within my soul, I really doubted God's credibility that he really did love me. And there's a true story of Elie Wiesel, who in in Auschwitz, there were uh, some men that had stolen a piece of bread because they were hungry. And uh, they had prepared gallows to hang these men. And part of the group, there was an eight-year-old little boy. And they were all hung together. And then the Nazis forced 
the inmates in Auschwitz to pass by these men that had been hung. And the little boy uh, didn't die that quickly because his body was so light. Uh, he didn't suffocate on the rope as quickly as the others. And so as they passed by this little boy that was fighting to breathe, a man in front of Elie Wiesel said, for God's sake, where is God? And Elie Wiesel said, in my heart, I answered the question, where is God? Here he is. He's hanging here from the gallows. What was he saying? He was saying that God was in the midst of our suffering. And, you know, a lot of times the issues of life will cause unbelief in our souls towards God. And there were a lot of Jews in the Holocaust that their faith was challenged and they lost their faith in God as a result. But Elie Wiesel, his faith was intact after the death camps. And he was saying, God is here right in the midst of our suffering. And I can say this, that whatever you've gone through, uh, the Lord Jesus is stretching out his hands to bless you today. He cares for you. He's the man of sorrows. He's acquainted with suffering and grief. He's wounded for our wounds. He's bruised for all the bruises, the brunt force traumas that have come our way because perhaps no one spoke words of blessing over our lives. Isaiah 63, 9 was a verse that changed my life, and it simply says, in all their afflictions, he was afflicted. What does that mean? In all the afflictions that Israel went through, God himself was afflicted. And so we see the same principle in the life of Christ. He's a man of sorrows. Uh, He took our griefs upon him. And he desires to heal uh, our offenses towards others and heal our, our offenses either towards even towards him. Oftentimes, Christians will develop an offense towards uh, God himself because he was silent in the midst of their suf- suffering. But God is always there, even in his silence. They say that in the gas chambers in, in the death camps, there was singing coming from the gas chambers that Jewish men and women and children, they were singing the Shema, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Akkad. You'd say, well, they should have been speaking a curse, but instead they were singing an anthem of praise. And we need to thank God even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of those that have maybe hurt us and abused us. So coming up, the next segment is our good friend, Dale Brown, who is a vocal uh, supporter of the Jewish people and Israel. So stay tuned for our friend, Coach Dale Brown, former coach of LSU. Hey, this is Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. And, and this month, we're going to be talking about the ancient Jewish concept of blessing. And we've produced beautiful uh, curriculum for our college campus chapters. And we'd like to make that curriculum available to you. And uh, it's four weeks of uh, teaching. And the first week is the ancient Jewish concept of blessing, kind of talks about some of the issues that we just talked about. And then the second week is uh, bless those who curse you. It's very difficult to walk in blessing if you're holding unforgiveness towards those that have cursed you. And so we, we teach on how to, to break the curse over your life and forgive your abusers. And the week three is am I blessed and chosen? Uh, well, the Jewish people are chosen, but am I 
a chosen uh, person as a Christian. So we, we dive into that issue. And the fourth week is honoring and blessing the Jewish family of Jesus. So Israel team, our, our objective is to educate. It, it's also to fight anti-Semitism, and we do that on, on college campuses, and we help uh, evangelical college campuses, students to understand their roots uh, in their faith. And so we invite you to go to IsraelTeam.org, and it's an educational website and lots of good information there. We deal with lots of issues that are happening in Israel today. There's normally uh, updates every couple days, news items that will interest you. And so you could, if you'd like this curriculum, you can go to IsraelTeam.org and press the donate button and donation of, of any kind. Uh, we'll uh, immediately send this to you. We can mail it to you if you leave us your mailing address or if you just uh, uh, press the, um, the code, you'll be able to download it instantaneously. It's, a, it's very beautiful artwork and it'll, it'll really bless you and help you. And so we invite you to go to IsraelTeam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. It's great to have you with us today. Our special guest is Coach Dale Brown. Dale was the head men's basketball coach for LSU Tigers for 25 years. In his first year as head coach, he was voted SEC Coach of the Year. Coach Brown is known as a master motivator, honored by the U.S. Basketball Association with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Coach Brown also led LSU to the Final Four two times in his tenure. He won over 400 games and four SEC championships. He was the man that recruited Shaquille O'Neal. There's a documentary about his life entitled Man in the Glass. Coach Brown is an advocate for the Jewish people in the fight against the scourge of anti-Semitism. He has written a chapter for our new book that's being published by Israel Team entitled The Casualty of Contempt. Coach Brown, welcome to Israel and You. I'm elated to be with you this morning, Aaron. Well, Dale, you've been my my friend as we've dialogued about Israel and anti-Semitism, I think for the last three or four years, and we've grown to be friends, and I just know your heart, and probably the most articulate man that I've ever met. And one of the stories that you, you tell, and it's it's in your chapter in our, our forthcoming book, The Casualty of Contempt, you tell the story about your trip to Auschwitz. Would you tell the listening audience about that experience? I would be happy to do it. It wasn't a, was not a planned destination. My wife is a international folk dance researcher and travels all over the world, and I was with her. And she's been to many, many countries, been to Europe 34 times researching dance and bringing it back and teaching. We happened to be in Krakow in Poland. And for some reason, I don't remember if it was a breakfast or what, but we got talking about Auschwitz. And we looked on the map, and hey, that's not too far from here. So we went to Auschwitz. It is without a doubt one of the most unique experiences of my life, the emotions that I experienced. First, we went through the grounds. We went through museum. We looked at video. We went through the whole thing. And I kept on getting, I had all kinds of emotions. I was angered. I was frustrated. I was melancholy. And I finally said, I mean, just tears were in my eyes. 
And I said to my wife, Bonnie, I said, I can't take any more of this. You're always so impatient, she said. Just relax. I'm going outside. No, no, I'm going outside, Bonnie. I walked outside. It was a beautiful, beautiful day, sun shining. I walked down a gravel road, and I'm th- thinking to myself this whole time when I'm in there, how can it, how is this possible, how is this humanly possible that some human being could do this to other human beings? And my emotions are just almost out of control. I'm walking down, and I want to, I stopped. There's a pole. Later on, I found out it was a railroad tie that brought the boxcars into Oshkosh, and I was leaning up against it, thinking, how can this happen? How can this happen? And all of a sudden, I felt on there a plaque. I got my answer instantaneously. It said, the road to Oshkosh was built by hatred, but paved with indifference and apathy. I thought, there it is, the silence of man. My dear friend Harry Edwards described it. Silence has always been evil's greatest ally. And I think as we go through life, I, I can't imagine even today. Today, it's still, when I knew you were calling, those memories flash back just like they were yesterday. And I guess what it comes down to, one of my favorite authors is Napoleon Hill. And in his, he wrote a, uh, one of his chapters on intolerance. He said, when the dawn of intelligence shall spread over the eastern horizon of human progress and ignorance and superstition, should have left their last footprints on the sands of time, it'll be recorded by the last chapter of the Book of Man's Crimes that his most grievous sin was that of intolerance. And there's no question about that. And so, just now talking to you, man, all those years later, I feel I'm back in Auschwitz right now. Sickening, despicable, unbearable. And the silence, the silence of people is almost as bad as the animals that did what they did to these human beings. No, they're not animals. Excuse me. Animals are so so far above these diabolic people. It's not even close. Yeah, I think someone once said, Dale, that indifference is the greatest evil, that when we see hatred and injustice towards a people, to turn the other way and to be silent in indifference is actually a, a terrible evil. And you as a person, you've been consistently uh, an opponent of, of racism of all kinds. And, you know, sometimes a guy like you, people would say, Dale, why are you so vocal? Why don't you just be silent? And wouldn't it be better just to remain silent and not get yourself in so much trouble? But, but Dale, just a question to you because – this is not an issue of your personality. This is an issue of your moral character, that you've, you've never been silent when there's been injustice. And, and why do you think that, that indifference and silence is a great evil? Um, Ten years of age, I witnessed several things in that particular year. My beautiful, beautiful mother, who had been left by her husband, my biological father, two days before I'd ever been born, came off the farm eighth grade education, had to go on welfare, clean people's homes, become a maid for 50 cents, move us into a one-room apartment above a bar and a hardware store, worked all the time. Beautiful, spiritual lady. Two times, one of them, I came home for lunch, and there was a welfare worker there. She was intimidating my mother, making her embarrassed. I can't believe we give you $42.50 a month, and you spent $12 last month on digitalis, which I didn't know what, what it was at the time. It's a heart medicine. And how about him? Can't he work? And little boy, go get your purse. And my mother is such a gentle, beautiful lady. 
And I sat there at the table wanting to say something as a 10-year-old, but inside I was talking to myself. And when my mother got her purse, she went through there, and I said at that moment, for the rest of my life, no one will ever intimidate anybody like this, or will I be intimidated. Months later, I came home after school, and my mother sat me down and said, the landlady came down here, and she said, that brat of yours, he's out in the hall scuffing up. I used to go out in the hall, and I'd fold up mitts and put tape around shooting hot water pipes in the hallway. Didn't have a basketball. There was no outside court to go. It was an apartment house. That little brat of yours is scuffing up the linoleum. If he does it again, you're going to have to find another place to live. And my mother said, Dale, Dale, she said, what are we going to do? Please don't do it. I took off down the hall, Aaron. I'll never forget. And I knocked on her door, and she opened that little peek hole in her door. And I said, you leave my mother alone. Do you understand that? Then I walked down the hall, scuffing up the linoleum with my heels as badly as I could in defiance of her intimidating my mother. And these people that do these horrendous things, uh, this isn't horrendous, Auschwitz is horrendous, but these terrible things, they're just like a school bully. I, I taught in public schools. School bullies, they intimidate big mouths, but when you face them nose-to-nose and man-to-man, all of a sudden they go just like a snake into the grass. They'll crawl off. So silence has always been evil's greatest ally. There's no question about that. And it, 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 it's not, it's not, uh, it takes work to speak up, but I will not be the silent majority. And Albert Einstein, who many consider maybe the greatest mind that ever lived, his quote was very simple, but it was sure profound. It isn't the evil people in the world that worry him. It's the good people that do nothing about the evil people. The reason we're in a mess right now politically in America, people didn't go vote. They were apathetic. So I have a lot of faults, and I'm a work in progress, but I'm not apathetic. <laughs> that's, that's the one great thing. I appreciate a lot of things about you, Dale, but one, one of the great things I appreciate is that y- you'd never allow something to happen without standing up and saying this was wrong and you know, speaking the truth. And I so appreciate you being involved with Israel team and, and supporting our efforts and, on college campuses. And uh, you've written a chapter – uh, for our book, and our, our book is coming out in the month of October, and it's entitled The Casualty of Contempt, and it's about how America can st- stop this continuance of silence in the, the rise of anti-Semitism, and once again, as Nazi Germany, the German population, they were they were silent when, when the Nazis were gassing the Jews, and we see this uh, terrible rise of anti-Semitism today across college campuses, a- across our nation, and it's really a time for uh, the church to, to voice, uh, to, for its voice to be heard. And so, Dale, s- thank you so much for being a part of Aaron, Israel and you today. Do we have one more minute? We're, or not? we're out of time. I wish we did. We're out of but time. We'll bring you back on Just soon. Just remember, Dale. for you that are listening. Go read Martin Niemöller's comment about silence, and you'll never be silent again. A man that could have stopped it didn't. Martin Niemöller. And it's a privilege to be with you, Aaron. Thank you so much, Dale. And thank you, listening audience, for being with us today for Israel and You. If you'd like to receive uh, a free download of our curriculum for college campuses on the ancient Jewish concept of blessing, you can go to our website, israelteam.org and hit the donate button 
And we'll be happy to, for any donation of any kind, send you this four-week study on the beauty of blessing. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.